Be seated. Good morning, Heartland Church of Christ. Your Bibles, if you would, to the book of John, chapter 10. We're going to begin there in a moment. The book of John, chapter 10. If you're visiting with us here, we welcome you. Uh, as I like to share at the very beginning of every lesson, the idea that we're all in one of three places. We're either in a mess, we're just coming out of a mess, or we're just one decision away of being in a mess. So we're all kind of in the same boat. A couple of months ago, I shared a lesson on the idea of where does your view of God come from? And the point of that was we all get our view of God from somewhere, but we have been called to get our view of God from Jesus because he's the only one that's been with God. He's the only one that can give us a clear picture of who God is. The last time I shared, we talked about finding common ground, the idea that we're all in the same boat. We all struggle with good and evil. We all, none of us can raise ourselves from the dead. We need God's help, and he's offered to help through the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. This morning, the question I want us to think about is simply this. Who is leading your life? Who is leading your life as we share together this morning? Let's bow for a prayer. Father, we thank you so much for the gift of life and for the love that you have for us. And we thank you for the veterans who are here in this audience and the family members, all of us who enjoy the freedom of this country because of those who serve. And, Father, we thank you for the greatest servant of all, your Son, our Lord and Savior. I pray you be with the speaker, for his sins are many. Help us all just to see Jesus, just Jesus, as we focus on you this morning. We pray this in your Son's name. Amen. It was midweek, Wednesday, early afternoon. They were shutting down shop. It was kind of weird to end in the middle of the day, but... That's what the boss wanted. The boss says, hey, we're going to take an afternoon and we're going to do a leadership exercise and we're going to go hear this speaker, this rabbi, his name is Jesus. And the worker said, are we getting paid for this? They're like, yeah, we're getting paid for this. And I'm in. That's fine. And as the group went to go hear this rabbi, this man of Jesus, because the boss was really impressed. The boss has heard this man before, his incredible words. He's even seen some miracles in the feeding of the 5,000. He says, you won't believe this guy. And they're like, okay, we're in, we'll go. And when they got there, there were hundreds of people there to hear Jesus. And they're thinking, man, there's not been this many people in this synagogue. What's going on here? I've never seen a rabbi this popular before. And then Jesus came on the scene with his entourage, his disciples. And as Jesus opened his mouth and began to teach, he started teaching. And John records it in John chapter 1. We read, Jesus says, I tell you the truth. The man who does not enter the sheep's pen by the gate but climbs in in some other way is a thief and a robber. The man who enters by the gate is the shepherd of of his sheep. The watchman opens the gate for him, and the shepherd listens to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he had brought out all of his own, he goes on ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice, but they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. And one worker turns to the other and says, 
Do you know what he's talking about? I don't know. Gate, sheep, thief. I, I, I don't get it. Well, maybe he'll do a miracle. Maybe he'll, you know, feed us. I, I don't know. John continues to write. Jesus used this figure of speech, but they did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said again, I tell you the truth. I am the gate for the shepherd. All who enter before me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. He who comes in and go out, and he will find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. And one of the workers starts thinking, I get that. The thief. The thief comes in only to steal, kill, and destroy. As he reflects back maybe to a month early when somebody broke into his house. He would have locked the doors if there was a lock available. You know, he would have shut the windows if there were, you know, windows available as far as that's concerned. And I started thinking about, have you ever been robbed before? Has anyone ever stolen from you before? Anyone? Look around. I've had my home broken in three times. Three times. And I remember the last time I was in California, and you know when you get to the door and you're like, I thought I closed that door. And you go in and your heart starts pounding, you know you've been robbed. And as a guy, you run to that TV first. Is it there? Is it okay? Whew, good. And then I looked over and my computer was gone. Stereo was gone. And I start checking the rooms and I'm thinking, okay, I know Monica's going to once again wash all the clothes in the dresser because she thinks, what if he's been through the dresser? You know, i got to wash everything. And I remember picking up my son in eighth grade. and He was picking him up after school and he got in the van and I said, son, i got to tell you, somebody... Somebody robbed our house. And he looked at me and goes, cool. So you know how those, you get those father-son moments. And I, he just, I said, what? He says, oh, I think that's cool. I said, really? He goes, yeah. I said, oh, by the way, they stole your stereo. He goes, what? I can't believe they took my stereo. You know, I can't believe it. We all know what it's like. And the, and the worker, he knew. He got the concept that, that a thief only intention is to come and to steal and to kill and destroy. And it made me start thinking, who has the most potential to steal your relationship, your happiness, to kill a relationship or destroy your happiness? And if you're like me and if you're honest with yourself, you'll sit there and go, it's the same answer for all of us. It's the one in the mirror, right? Me. I am the one that has the greatest potential of stealing, killing, or destroying my own happiness. And you think about that, it's like, wow, I am my worst enemy. But now you may be sitting there going like, well, I don't think that's my case. But let me remind you, think about it. You bought it, you leased it, you ate it, you drank it, you smoked it. Right? You dated it, you slept with it, and you even married it. And you're praying to God that I'm not going to ask you to come forward and testify, right? Because we have the same thing in common. 
And what's really fascinating to me is we're all getting ready to go to the holiday parties and we're getting ready to get with families we haven't seen in a year. And we're going to listen to their stories and they go, I don't know why this is happening to me. And you're like, you, you bought it. You ate, you, you made these decisions. Why did you do that? Why? You know, and then we can begin to realize that we are our worst enemy. And we start thinking, you know, I was really not designed to lead my life. Because when I lead my life, I'm not leading it alone. There's also someone else there with me. We call it, or the Bible calls it, the personification of sin. It's kind of the sinful nature. Turn, if you would, to Romans chapter 7. The book of Romans chapter 7. And you notice, I don't usually put the scriptures on the screen because I really like to read it ourselves on your phone or on your iPad or if you bring a Bible. This way, if the, if the preacher's boring, you can still get a lot out of the sermon by just reading it for yourself, right? It just kind of works that way. Romans chapter 7 and verse 14. Paul, and now this guy Paul, he was so bad he had to change his name. He used to be Saul of Tarsus. He had to change it to Paul because it was so bad. He says, we know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, it is, but it is sin living in me. I know that nothing good lives in me, that is, in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I can't carry it out. For what I do is not the good I want to do, no. The evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. And so not only do I have an enemy within or my own self, not only am I poor at leading my own life, but when the sinful nature starts leading my life, it just makes it even worse. I remember the first time I came across this concept, and I was about eight years old. And I was, you know, just having a good time. And I remember this little voice, and my dad was taking a nap. He says, hey, just take $5 out of his wallet. He'll never find out. It's no big deal. And so I took the $5. I went and bought something, not realizing that he could figure out, well, where did you get money to buy something? When he realized the money was missing, I got disciplined. And when I got disciplined, I was crying and then this little voice came into my head that said, you're a terrible son. You're awful. I can't believe you did that to your dad. And I, I don't know when, but my eyes opened up like, oh, no, you don't. You don't encourage me to do something bad and then dog me after I've done it. And when we come to the realization, it's just not us. There's also something inside of us that tends towards evil that wants to steal, kill, or destroy our relationship, our happiness. And it kind of drags us in that way. And we think, you know, we used to grow up, we, most of us who are over, over 50 get it. Remember the cartoons of the little angel and the little devil, right? On the shoulder, and you listen to one, the little devil, and then you listen to the little angel, and after a while you just do it. And you take the little angel and you go, pop. Right? The problem is when you let the little angel go and you just start giving in to the sinful nature over and over again, it starts taking control, and there's no little angel there. And you're like, God, help me. And that's what Paul continues on in Romans 7. He says, so I find this law at work. 
When I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in the members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within my members. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God for Jesus Christ, our Lord. You know, then the worker starts thinking, oh, yeah. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but the shepherd, the shepherd wants us to live a life to the fullest. And he starts contrasting the two. One wants to break relationships, destroy relationships, destroy our happiness, whether it's ourself or the struggle within. But the good shepherd says, no, I want you to have life and have it to the full. I want that inner voice to remind you that you are loved and that you can be helped and you can be encouraged and to help you to make wise choices, better choices that you wouldn't make on your own. But then how do I know Jesus is the good shepherd? Go back to John chapter 10 and Jesus tells us why he is the good shepherd in John chapter 10. In verse 11, where he says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. And you think, that's why he's the good shepherd. He's proved that he loves us. Because if Jesus and God, Jesus, God is willing to send Jesus to die for us, then he is for us. I just moved back to Kansas from California, a lot of challenging things going on, and I had my youngest son again with me, and he was playing a video game, and I was cooking dinner. And he looks at me, he stopped the video game, he just looked at me and says, how do I know God loves me? And I said, well, son, Jesus died for you. And he looks at me and he goes, yeah, well, people in the army died for me so I can be have freedom in this country. That doesn't mean they love me. And I looked at him and I said, you're so much like your mother. Deep questions. I'm just, I, gosh, I just don't want to deal with these deep questions. But yet I, And I started thinking about it. I said, but son, Jesus died, but God raised him the dead so he can lead our life through this mess, through this curse. Because when you know you are loved by God, you make better choices. And he looks at me and says, I get that. And so we get this comparison of the thief and the good shepherd. And the question is, who is going to lead your life? Now, here's the problem. The problem is Jesus describes humanity, people, as sheep, right? And if you know anything about sheep, one of the major things is they're dumb. They're dumb as a box of rocks, right? One goes off the cliff, they all go off the cliff. And nobody likes, I don't like to be called dumb or stupid. But let me remind us, I bought it, I leased it, I ate it, I drank it, I smoked it, I dated it, I slept with it, and I even married it, and on and on and on. There's one common nation, it's what? It's us. 
You know, sometimes we do some bad things, right? And it's true. The question is, who's leading my life? Am I willing to give Jesus the steering wheel of my life? Now, I'm going to pause for a minute because this has been on, you know, we, we hear a lot about, you know, the shootings in churches and all that. And I appreciate the elders and all the security that they put on for us to help us to be saved. And I know, and I'm not here to give a debate about, is it, you know, Time Magazine came out, or Time newspaper said it's, it's men and guns, and there's a lot of debate going on. But here's the reality, the one thing in common. It's the sinful nature of taking control of people, but it's also people not choosing to be led by Jesus. Because if they were led by Jesus, they wouldn't make those choices. And so for us, the call is, who's leading my life? I If I led my own life, I know the bad things that would happen. If I let the sinful nature lead my life, I know the bad things that would happen. And the reason why I'm blessed today is because at some point in my life, and I continue in my life to say, I want Jesus to to have the steering wheel in my life. I want him to help me to make my decisions. I want him involved in every area of my life. And we say, yeah, but if Jesus knew what was going on in my life, he knows. He already knows. And he loves you in spite of it. And he wants to help you. But Jesus came not just to be raised from the dead and to raise us from the dead. He came so he can lead our life because we do better and live better when we let him lead than when we lead ourselves and that's the challenge this morning so the question is where are you at where are you at in that process and maybe you're just starting out i'm just trying to figure this resurrection thing out that is great or maybe you know i let jesus i gave jesus during of my life but i take a i took it back at some point i'm doing making my own decisions and as jesus or dr phil says how's that working for you Right? I know when I do that, it just, things get to be a mess. But you know what? I know Jesus wants me to be happy and he wants to help me because he's a good shepherd. He laid down his life for me. Maybe you're at a point, hey, I, I, am, I am there. I am ready to publicly confess and be baptized into Christ to say, I want Jesus to lead my life. All I know is, He does make your life better. He helps you because he doesn't want to steal, kill, or destroy. He wants to help you in this journey. Even when things are a mess, it's okay because he's helping me not make it worse. And he's reminding, he's replacing that voice that the sinful nature had. He's replacing that voice and saying, I love you. I care about you. I will bring you home. But you've got to let Jesus have the steering wheel of your life. If we can help you in any way, we want to be able to do that as we stand and sing.